Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fix It and Flip It podcast season two. We've got an awesome show for you today. Very, very special guest. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. I'll see you after the intro. Welcome to Fix It and Flip It. The current real estate market is ripe for rehabbing. If you want to learn how to buy the right property at the right price and learn how to project and control costs, then you come to the right place. Our host, Tony Rappin, is from the number one REMAX team in southeastern Michigan. This is Fix It and Flip It. Welcome to Fix It and Flip It podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest. And uh, I know it's like an unsung hero, maybe, for a lot of the marketers in this, uh, in this community. And you're probably trying to figure out why I would have somebody like this on. But today, we've got Benton Crane. He's the CEO of Harmon Brothers Ad Agency based in Provo, Utah. They're an absolutely amazing uh, company. I never even knew who they were. I saw their commercials. And... Uh, you probably will recognize this. I keep this on my desk every day. It's FiberFix. Uh, I saw that commercial and I was blown away. I never knew you guys did it. I saw the commercial. It just, it rocked my world. And I'm like, who are these guys? And I had a buddy of mine. I said, you got to find out who this ad agency is. <laughs> and that's what you need to market your special oil. He's got this oil called Nuts Off. And it's because it, it instead of like WD forty or whatever. Right, right. And I says, you got to call these guys. And then then I started doing the research, and then I found out about you from Russell Brunson. Yep. The website. And gotcha. then I started yep. paying attention. Then the purple mattress, and then poopery, which I am a client of poopery also. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so I started I started paying close attention to what you do, and uh, I guess we might as well go back to where, when it all started for you. I mean, you and I have one thing in common. We both like cars. Good. So you're a car guy. I'm an ASC certified car, uh, car mechanic was. Um, and then I started drag racing, which was a bad thing because that's how you go from multimillionaire to millionaire, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not, but you get the point, you know, it's just car racing has always, I've always been a car guy uh, all my life. So can you give me like a quick, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think I was about 11 years old when I picked up a Motor Trend magazine. I think it was like at a doctor's office or dentist's office or something. You know how they used to have those little cards in them where you could fill out the card and then um, and then send a check in, and they would that, that that's how you would set up your subscription. Yeah. Well, I did that without my parents without my parents knowing, and these Motor Trend magazines just started showing up to the house <laughs> in my name. And so from the time I was about 11 until I think I was 19, I received and read every copy of Motor Trend from cover to cover. And I kept them. In fact, to this day, I still have this giant Rubbermaid, you know, uh, total of them. Yeah. In, in my garage, my wife thinks I'm nuts. We've been, you know, carrying it around for the last 15 years of our marriage, you know, <laughs> house to house. And and yet there's all that sentimental value there for me. And so I, I, I hold on to that bin. Um, but like you, I got into fixing cars. Uh, that was first in high school. I think by the time I was 18, I had bought and sold 
you know, bought, repaired, and sold, I think, eight cars um, but by the time I was 18. And then um, I actually dropped out of high school so that I could go to the community college and study automotive repair full time. Wow. And, um, and one of my professors saw that I, I had some talent with it. And so he sent me to uh, the school uh, VICA competition. It was this automotive repair competition there at the school. And so I went to it um, and I won. And so then <laughs> Lake in state and I won there. And so then they sent me to Kansas City to compete in nationals. And, and I ended up getting second place in the nation. Um, oh my gosh. And, and so I was just like super, super passionate about cars, problem solving. I just loved it. But then when I started my career in it, I don't know what your experience was like, but it kind of felt like it didn't matter how well I fixed someone's car or how quickly I fixed someone's car. Just the fact that it was broken meant that they were pissed and they were pissed at me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then the other thing I kind of felt like being in that industry, um, people kind of assume that mechanics are crooks, whether or not they actually are, people kind of tend to make that assumption. And, and so I felt like I was kind of bringing this gift I had developed to the world and the world was kind of like throwing it back in my face. And, um, and so I decided, you know, I, 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 I love cars as a hobby, but I don't want to do this um, as a full-time living. And so that's when I pivoted and, and I went back to college and studied economics. And, um, and that kind of set me on the path that, that ended up with me here at Armand Brothers. Wow. Do you still have, do you have any cars now? You know, I have a couple of boring cars. Um, <laughs> you'll get back. Don't worry. <laughs> you'll get back into it when it comes back in, it bites hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of secretly saving up for that new Tesla Roadster that's due out in a, in a, in a few years. That, uh, that was on I, the website Friday. Yeah. I, I, I can't, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was look, I was looking at ordering a Tesla because I've always had, I was the, I start, my first car was a 1970 Cuda with a 446 pack uh -huh. and a, you know, pistol grip shifter and 12 inch slicks. And that was my go to high school car. So it was always like, you got to go back to that one day. You got to go back to that one day. And, you know, when you can't afford it in high school and then you get older and it's like, okay, what's that car that I'm going to afford when I get older, you know, and I, I get that, that draw. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I I love I love cars. Um, kind of, it, I think it was about in two thousand one. I was really getting interested in this kind of world of hybrid cars. Back then, like the Toyota Prius and the and the Honda Insight were kind of new technology. And I remember I wrote a paper trying to make an argument that hydrogen was the future over battery electric. And and it turns out I got that completely wrong. <laughs> Um, cause of course, battery technology has come so far since then. And so now, you know, Tesla and several others are proving that, that battery electric is a, is a much, uh, much better approach than, uh, th than hydrogen fuel cell. But anyways, that's, I, I geek out over that stuff. And, um, in fact, if anyone follows me on LinkedIn, um, I recently just published a three-part article kind of me assessing Tesla and how. Uh, I, I built kind of a, a theoretical marketing plan of what I would do if I was marketing for Tesla, um, just because I, I geek out over that stuff. Well, I'm going to make sure I go read that one. That sounds like something important to me. I, 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 
I pay cl so much close attention to it. And I always said, I don't want to be the first one out there with something. So I watched a lot of people like when the Fisker came out, they had a lot of problems with that. And then they yep. ended up going out of business. But Elon seems to have something really, really going well for himself, that mentality that he's got. But they're bleeding money. And Ford has got electric cars and GM's got electric cars and their stock isn't nowhere near where Tesla's is at. But I think everybody's working on that future earnings thing, just like Amazon. They lost money for how many years? And then yep. now they're profitable and they make more money than anybody can even imagine. Yep. Yeah, well, so uh, thank, thanks for having me on the show. It's, it's exciting to be here. Well, I, I've, I've been wanting to talk to you for the last four or five months. And it's like, and I, when I was at Funnel Hacking Live, I remember Russell got on stage and he goes, just ask. They'll talk to you. You know, and it's like, it's not like I have some huge monster uh, show, but the people that do listen pay close attention. And I got mad because I was syndicated under another uh, another a podcast Detroit network. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this myself. I want it all on my own. So I'm starting to post all my stuff back up. And I committed to doing 100 podcast episodes this year. Oh, good and for yours you. is really important because I'm a real estate agent. Uh -huh. One of the important things that real estate agents don't ever do is market. Real estate agents don't know how to market. And you've probably seen all those dumb videos. Hi, I'm at an open house. We have three bedrooms and two baths and a living room and a dining room and wood floors. And it's gorgeous or stupendous or eloquent or tasteful or old world charm. And that stuff gets really, really old. Yep. Our show is about fixing houses and flipping them. Uh-huh. Well, the people that flip them usually do a good job especially the seasoned veterans that have flipped hundreds of homes and thousands of homes. They know what to do. Everything's pretty much on autopilot. We know the process. It's like building a home. You may not know how to build a home, but I'm sure you know that you have to dig a hole for a basement. You have to put the plumbing in, then you put the, you know, you build the frame and then you put a roof on and then you put your windows on and so on and so on and so on. You have the same perspective with your ad agency. We don't understand it. Realtors are dumb when it comes to, and I'm not saying it in a bad way, but we are absolutely uneducated in the, in the, in the world of marketing. Without question. You can teach a comedian to be a marketer, but you yep. can't teach a marketer to be a comedian. And, and, yep. I, and yep. I read from Poop to Gold, which I'm, I want to get into that too, because that book was absolutely amazing. I think Daniel's a rock star. And, and the ideas that you guys come up with are so unconventional. And it, it's almost like the same reason people listen to Howard Stern. What is he going to do next? And it's the same with you guys. I mean, you guys basically started a company with the Aura Brush. And then to squatty potty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, um, it, it, my partners, uh, Neil Jeff and Daniel Harmon, they're, they're the brothers who, who we named the company after, uh, they, they were all at Aura Brush together and they kind of invented video marketing for the web, you know, selling these, these tongue cleaners that give you, you know, get rid of bad breath. And, and they were pretty much the first company to sell anything on YouTube. You know, this was back in like 09, Google had just bought YouTube. And, and prior to that, you know, people just kind of shared their cat videos on, on YouTube and, you know, passed around funny videos or whatever. 
Um, and and Jeff saw the opportunity to to use it as a business platform, and so he launched ads on it, and um, it ended up getting such massive reach and huge sales that Walmart and CVS and Walgreens and I think even Target, um, they all came knocking at the door saying, "Hey, can we carry the Aura brush?" and and so they went from you know just a direct to consumer business with a website marketing on YouTube to nationwide you know retail distribution and 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 eventually Dentec um, came and acquired um, acquired Aura Brush, but when they when they moved on the next campaign was Poopery and that's when I joined. I had I had previously been out in Washington D.C. working as a data analyst. And I can't um, see you as a data analyst, bro. You got a great personality and data analysts are like a high C on the disk <laughs> test. You are not a high C. Well, well, I promise you, if you came and walked through our office, you would quickly see that um, relative to the other people here in the office, I'm probably like a low D when it oh. comes to personality and, and humor and, and charisma and all of that, because we have a, we have a really, really great group of of um, just super talented individuals who are hilariously funny. They're, they're insanely smart. And, and so I, I'm kind of the, I'm the dud of the bunch with, without <laughs> much of a sense of humor. Um, but yeah, so I, I joined up with, with the brothers in 2013 and we did the Poopery campaign. Um, I took care of all the ad buying and all the data analytics, all the AB testing on it, all of that sort of thing. Whereas they kind of took care of the, uh, uh, the the creative elements of it, and um, and then not you know it was another year after that or so that Squatty Potty happened, and then later Purple, and then Chatbooks and Fiberfix, and uh, more recently you know Lumi Deodorant, and just a mm -hmm. whole bunch of other you know re really successful campaigns. So it's been a it's been an awesome ride. It, it's it's been really really fun. Well, then going back to the real estate agents without. Yep. Any um, ideas or any marketing ideas? Because basically everything is a copy and it's okay if you copy in different markets. So I can learn from somebody in LA and I don't compete against them and I do whatever. There was a guy in Lansing, Michigan for Halloween. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but he did a, you know, we, we publish our stuff and it gets marketed out like Zillow, realtor.com and hundreds of other websites do yep. affiliate yep. marketing. And the guy dressed up as the Scream character from, I think, Scream, the, the, you know, the, the, okay. the mask. Okay. And he took pictures in this house in Lansing coming out of the closet. And it got over one million views for this little, tiny, little crappy house on Zillow. And it went viral. And he was on yep. NBC yep. and Fox News. And he went everywhere with the idea of just making something funny. So, so tell me, what, what's the bigger challenge for realtors? Is, is the bigger challenge getting people to list with you or is it moving the listings that you currently have? Today, it's moving the listings we currently have. During okay. this, the, the late summertime, it was getting the listings. Now, we've, we've hit a slowdown and I think even the majority of uh, 
of people would probably understand it. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I think this is all cyclical. I think we go on an up and a down trend. You know, whether Clinton's in the office or, or Bush is in office or Trump is in office, it's going to go up, it's going to go down. There are some artificial tangents that I think can be uh, kind of affect the market like when Obama was in office, he had 0% interest rate and the mortgage rates were low. Well, our mortgage rates are still about the same, but we've got 2% interest rate and Trump could probably continue stimulating the economy a little bit by lowering the interest rates and getting back on that same playing field. But we've got a vibrant economy, so I don't see that happening. But prior to him getting in office, if he keeps the rates lower, it'll keep the, it, it keep the market moving still. Gotcha. I think- I think personally, if rates do go up, it's going to slow things down. And if it slows things down, it may affect the presidency. So I think there's kind of a little, because this is an election year, stocks change differently. I, I don't know. I know as far as real estate's concerned, over the long haul, whether it goes up, whether it goes down, if you're getting a return on your investment, that's really all that matters. You know, uh, That's where I guess I can come into the table because it's I'm, I'm like a stockbroker. If you think about it, you're not going to buy at the top or you're not going to sell at the top. You're not going to buy at the bottom. You're going to buy somewhere in between. And as long as the fluctuation is there, you're still safe. As long as it doesn't stay low, you know, which is very almost impossible in real estate In real estate, we really never saw a downfall like we had from 2006 till 2012. That was a, a real bad time where a lot of property values right. went down. I don't know how bad yours were affected in, in Utah, but I know here in Michigan, we were like the kings of dollar homes. You got hit pretty hard. We got hit. My house was worth 700000 at one time and in 2004. And by 2011, it was worth 220000 That's a big hit to take for a yeah, yeah. brand new construction waterfront property on the lake. You, and you still can't buy houses like this in other areas. Like you go to California, a house like mine would probably sell for four or $5 million. Wow. You know? So that yeah. brings back the old saying, location, location, location. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, it, 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 so from a marketing perspective, marketing is a game of attention, right? It's, yes. It's, if I can find ways to, uh, to capture your attention, then once I have your attention, then I can, achieve, I can achieve some sort of objective, right? I can, I can convince you to do something. I can convince you to buy something. I can educate you on something. I can entertain you. There, you know, there, there's all sorts of things I can do if I can capture your attention. Now, um, some types of marketing, like what we did for Poopery and Squatty Potty, I would consider what, what I would call demand creation, meaning I have to go out and create demand for this product. Um, I have to go convince people who otherwise wouldn't be considering buying Poopery or Squatty Potty that, that they do need to buy. Or the same would hold true for, you know, even a higher dollar product like, like the Purple Mattress. You know, it's a $1,200 product, but people aren't necessarily looking for it. We have to go out and create that demand ourselves. Now, I, I would argue that, that real estate's a little bit different in that um, from a realtor's perspective, demand kind of is what it is. There, there's a certain amount of demand out in the industry and your efforts to go drum up more demand 
Um, you, you a little bit with that, but I would argue that you, you're not going to you're not going to be able to make a huge you know dent in the the amount of demand that that is out there. So instead, in real estate, this is all a function of how do I capture the largest percent of the existing demand that I possibly can. And so this becomes a function of how do I stand out from all of the other suppliers. So I have, I'm offering these houses on the market. All these other suppliers are offering these houses on the market. How do I stand out from all of the others so that the existing demand that's out there pays attention to me as opposed to paying attention to, um, to, to my competitors. And, and as I think about that, there's this book that comes to mind, fantastic book. It's uh, by Donald Miller and it's called how to build a story brand. And I'll, I'll summarize the, I'll summarize the argument of this book for you, but um, as marketers or sales guys or realtors or, or whatever position we find ourselves in, we often fall into this trap where we talk about ourselves or our product or our service or whatever it is that we're selling, we often talk about it as if it is the hero of the story or, or sometimes even as if we are the hero of, of the story. But Donald Miller does a great job of flipping that argument on its head and, and he says, no, you're not the hero your product isn't the hero, your service isn't the hero, your customer is the hero in their own journey. And then he goes on to describe it in terms of Star Wars. So, um, so if you think about Star Wars, you've got Luke, he's the hero of the story, right? And, and he goes on this hero's journey where he faces this big problem. There's this evil empire who's, um, who's trying to take over the galaxy. And, but then he meets this guide, he meets Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan gives him a lightsaber and teaches him to trust the force. And, and so essentially Obi-Wan is not only just guiding him, but he's giving him this tool set to go out and be, be successful on, on his own journey. And then of course, Obi-Wan calls him to action. Okay, Luke, it's time, you, you know, you, you've got to go defeat this evil empire. And Luke goes out and blows up the Death Star and um, and, and the rebellion avoids defeat, right? And so if we follow that same hero's journey pattern that you see in Star Wars, you can plug yourself into these different pieces. Okay, so who is Luke Skywalker? Luke is your customer. Customer. Okay, so your customer is on their own journey. They, they're facing their own problems. They have their own wants, wishes, desires. They're trying to um, come out the other side successful. And, and they're trying to avoid defeat. And so as the realtor, your job is to position yourself as Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're not there to be the hero in the story. You're simply there to be the guide. And what does a guide need to do? A guide needs two things. A guide, a guide needs empathy and authority, right? So you have to be able to, to prove to your customer that I understand what you're going through. I understand what you're facing. I've been there, I know what it feels like, and then the authority kicks in. But let me show you how I came out the other side victorious. Let me show you what it feels like to, uh, you know, to be victorious in this case. And then as the guide, you present 
your customer or the hero, you present them with tools so that they can be successful in their guide. So in the case of a realtor, maybe the tools are houses that, that you're listing, apartments that you're listing. Maybe it's a um, maybe search it's, engine, uh, search engine analysis tools. Um, may, maybe you give them some um, uh, some frameworks and some mortgage calculators and stuff to help them be, become successful in their own journey. And so um, this is a very, very different approach than you can, I can imagine like, okay, you know, realtor A, he, he comes up with these ads that says, you know, come list with, with you know, realtor Billy Bob sold 10,000 homes, you know, the, the number one realtor in the state, you know, this, that, and the other. He's positioning himself as the hero in the story. All the focus is on him. And, and when someone else is trying to be the hero in their own story, they don't care about that. That, that means nothing to them. But it's, instead, if he comes at you with, with empathy and authority of, of coming at you and saying, yeah, I know what it's like to be in that position where you, know, you want to buy your first home, but you don't know where to start. You don't, you don't know how to plan for it. You don't know how to prepare for it. You don't know what questions to ask. I've been there. I know what that feels like. That's a painful feeling. But let me tell you what I did and let me tell you how I came out successful. And, and let me show you what it feels like to be successful. And, and so all that hope is you're, you're, you're generating hope in your, in your customer, in your hero. And, and then you give them the tools that they need. And of course you, you call them to action. So when I, when I think about marketing as a realtor, that book is the one that, uh, the, the one that comes to mind. And so for any listener uh, who, who's paying attention to this, I would say go order the book, How to Build a Story Brand by Donald Miller. I think it will uh, it I'm taking potentially notes. life-changing. I, I, I like exactly what you said. I, I kind of modeled my career somewhat after that. I never realized it until you started talking about it. It's like I never knew what the disc test was. I always knew that I was a salesman and a high eye personality, but I never knew what a high eye personality was until I took the test. And it's like, you just nailed it. I mean, you just nailed that one. My biggest thing I've always said was educate, entertain, and execute. I can't make the decision for you. My job is to educate you so you can make a great decision and you're happy with it. I can't pick a house for you. And, I, and I, everybody says, how many houses have you sold in your career? I haven't sold any. I've closed on over 7,000, but I've never sold a house. The house sells itself. You're the one making the decision. All I'm doing is opening the door or giving you the, the screw gun to un, or, 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 the, or the lock pick to unlock your potential to find out what you like. But I never heard it spoken the way you just spoke it and Dude, I'm going to listen to this podcast over and over and over again until I nail this down because this is a great way to write an ad. I really do. Majority of real estate agents are, I'm number one. I've done this. I've done that. They take pictures with all their trophies. Before, I used to own the office that we're in now, but before I owned it, every year we would get all these things coming in from Remax. We didn't know what they were. They were plaques. And it's like, well, we don't put those on the wall. We never, we never did. So when we merged our offices with another office, and so now we're part of a six office chain called Remax First, 
the broker comes in the back who is the new broker and he's like, well, what are these? And I'm like, ah, there's just plaques and stuff. He goes, you got to put these up. And I'm like, why? I don't care. I never, never mattered. And now you walk in the office and he's got all these plaques there. It's like, take this stuff down. It's not about us. It's about the customer. They all, they all listen to the same radio station, WIFM. What's in it for me? <laughs> they, they, they don't care who I am. You know, they just want to make sure that I can do the job to make it easier for them because, you know, I do this, whatever, 20 times a month, 30 times a month. They do this two, three times in a lifetime. Well, they, they do have to trust you, right? And, and that trust comes through those two things. It's empathy and authority. And, and so maybe you could make an argument that those plaques could, um, could kind of help with that authority piece of it. But that's only if the customers care and, and know what that plaque means. And to your point, if they don't, then, then they don't care. So you have to figure out other ways that you can prove to the customer that you, you empathize with them and that you have the authority that is worthy of their trust. And, and then it's through that trust that they choose to work with you as opposed to you know, the, the 50 other competitors that they could go look at down the road. Right, because everybody's brother is a real estate agent. We don't get the credibility that we really deserve. That's definitely for sure. So on the flipping side, on the investor side, do, do, you, do you own any, any investment homes? Uh, just my own. And I actually Airbnb out my basement uh, just so my house pays for itself because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm frugal like that. <laughs> it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a, so, so it, it, give me, give me, give me one. Come on. You got to have a tip, some secret in there that an investor is listening to. How does he, cause he, like I said, he does a nice job fixing it up and he take professional pictures. Just putting it on Facebook doesn't do it. You got any tips, any ideas, any squatty potty heaven, uh, little tidbit that. I mean, I, I mean, like for my Airbnb basement, for instance, I furnished it with all of the products from our commercials. So I have this uh, squatty potty uh, shrine in the bathroom where there's a unicorn <laughs> hanging above the toilet. And there's the squatty potty stool there. And then, um, and then the unicorn gold toilet sprays uh, 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 up above. Um, I've got the purple mattress in the, in, in the bedroom. And so that was kind of my way of, of, of saying, look, I recognize that in the neighborhood, you know, there's all sorts of Airbnb options that people could choose from and everyone else is kind of in this race to the bottom in terms of trying to compete just by being the cheapest available. Like, I'm not interested in that. Like, I'm not going to have strangers come stay in my basement for, for bottom dollar. I'm only going to do it if they're paying enough to make it worth my while and, and, and worth the effort. And so I said to myself, how do I capture their attention? And, and how do I stand out from you know, from everyone else. And so my, uh, my basement is called the unicorn house. And so when people are searching on, on Airbnb, they, you know, they find the unicorn house and I charge significantly more than, you know, the, this other surrounding Airbnbs, but people see it and they're like, Whoa, that's really cool. That's interesting. I've seen the, I've seen the commercials. I want to try these products. I want to have this, have this experience. And, um, and, and, and that was kind of my way of, my way of standing out. And so if I was in the position of a flipper, I would always be asking myself, um, 
you know, I imagine as a flipper, probably most of the design decisions you make probably have to be fairly conservative. You kind of know like, okay, this is what sells. Yes. Um, you know, you know, when, when I kind of take these conservative approaches, but that said, if I was, if I was in the position of the flipper on every home, I would be trying to find at least one element that I could do something bold with that I could do something that, that stands out, something that's different so that I give, I give the property a chance to stand out from the crowd. And, and, you know, then when people walk through it, maybe it's that one bold thing that drew them in. Um, but, but then the rest of it is kind of designed in such a way that it's safe enough that they can picture themselves there and, and they can, you know, paint their own, um, you know, paint their own canvas, so, so to speak. Um, now, all that said, I'm not a designer, I'm not an expert in that space, but that is the type of thought process that I would be going through. I would be asking myself, is there a way that I can make this, give it some unique piece of personality that allows it to, uh, to stand out from, from the crowd? Or the, the other element is, you know, if a property is set up in such a way that, uh, like my home, for instance, that has this, you know, mother-in-law apartment in the, in the basement that's fully, you know, it's a full apartment with laundry, bathroom, kitchen, you know, the, the works, it, it's all down there then that cell can be all about the numbers, right? It, it's- If look the numbers at the, make sense, then yeah, it's just math. Yeah, look at the cash that this apartment generates. You know, you can buy this whole home and have the home pay for itself, uh, you know, simply because of um, the, the apartment in the basement. And so if the property is one that the economics just align that way, then you can really lean into the economics and have that be the differentiator that, that lets it stand out from the rest. That makes sense too. Uh, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the episode right now, but I want to give you an opportunity to plug the Harmon University, uh, which I am a student and taking the uh, currently a student of Harmon Brothers University. Yep. Yep. How, how do, how do my, how do my uh, listeners uh, get to be part of that or can listen to uh, uh, something to get involved so that they can learn and maybe help themselves be better marketers? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great question. So um we, we believe that everything starts with a great sales script. And, and like you were saying, um, you know, thinking about that hero's journey that we talked about, that's a great construct to write a sales script for, for a realtor. Well, we, we put together a 14-day challenge where, where what we do is we take you through this 14-day process. And as you go through it, you go through it with our writers. So our writers are going through the exact same exercises and the exact same process that you're going through. And our writers are doing it on a real client, a real product. Um, and so you're, you're, the, the way it works is you learn a lesson on each day and then you watch our team implement that lesson and then you go do your homework and implement it yourself takes about 14 days and and by the time you come out the other end at 14 days you have a fully baked cell script that is ready to turn into you can turn it into a landing page uh, you can turn it into a video um, whatever you need to do with it um, but it is the foundation of 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 selling um, 
Uh, I think the course is uh, the 14 the day challenge. I think it's $199. So super, super affordable. Very affordable. Um, you, yeah, you can access it at, at harmanbrothersuniversity.com. And it is, um, it's the foundation that, uh, that kind of sets the stage for everything that we do. And, and once you have that really solid foundation, then you can start to add additional layers on top of it. Like, okay, how do I make it entertaining? How do I make it funny? How do I make it shareable, et cetera, et cetera. But none of that stuff matters unless you have the, the foundation laid properly. And that's what that 14 day challenge is all about. Get the proper foundation so you can sell. Yeah, the challenges seem to be the best for me. I took the 30-day challenge with ClickFunnels, and it was just um, unbelievable. And the people that I've met and the, and the direction that it's taken me in a totally different level, it slows you down a little bit in the beginning because you're absorbing so much. But I think when you come out the other end of the funnel, you have a different understanding and a different outlook than everybody else or your peers do. So for me, it was amazing. And just to, just to be here to talk to you today was an absolute honor. Um, I would take you up on that tour in Provo whenever I come to Utah, which yeah, may not be yeah, soon, but do. skiing is nice. You guys have something very, very special over there. Yeah, and in, and in the meantime, um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very active on on LinkedIn. I publish articles pretty regularly. Um, so Benton Crane, search for me on LinkedIn and follow me there. And your podcast uh, that Daniel Harmon does from Poop to Gold. Yeah, I suggest everybody to follow it. Get the book from Poop to Gold. It will teach you more in one hour. That's how I did my, I did a, a video the other day for uh, a $15,000 down payment assistance program. And I had my dog in it and it's cute little puppy, but basically it started making humor. Did you spend that money for your down payment on a dog? Well, we got this new program, you know, <laughs> it, it, I got the, I got the idea of the humor through you guys and how was I going to do it? And it was literally the ideas that you give me are just phenomenal. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Um, My pleasure. Happy to be here. Thank you again. We'll talk to you very, very soon. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. I appreciate you guys listening today. It was really a great show. If you want more Fix It and Flip It secrets, just subscribe and share this page down below. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. You've been listening to Fix It and Flip It with Tony Raffin. Be sure to stop by our Facebook page, like it, and follow. And come back again next week and arm yourselves with the tools and strategies to become a successful real estate entrepreneur. This is Fix It and Flip It.